right. Well, it is good uh, to be together, and I've got a lot to talk about today, and we've got a lot to do, and so we're going to jump right in. So I hope you have your uh, seatbelts buckled and uh, you're ready to jump in uh, with us. We are in a very important day. Uh, and if you're a guest with us online, if you're a guest with us this morning, you need to know that today is kind of a big deal because we have been building up towards today for several weeks as we've talked about how we can engage our one, how we can engage our community, how we can engage our world in greater ways. And today we're talking about how we can engage our calling. What is our part in actually doing something about this. It's great to talk about engaging our one, our community, and our world, but today's the day where we say, what will we do? What will be our response? And uh, at the end of the service, uh, we're gonna have an opportunity uh, to say, I'm, I wanna be a part of this, and, and I want uh, to uh, engage my calling and make a difference. And so there are some commitment cards, some pledge cards, and we have some auditorium hosts in the back. And if you didn't get one of those on your way in, and I don't have one on me, um, but they're a small little card. Um, and if you didn't, can you just hold that up there? Uh, if you didn't receive one of those as you came in, if you'll slip your hand up, they will bring you one because we're all gonna want one of those at the end. Um, and uh, just to be able to look at that and see, um, and as you, as they bring some of those out, um, because today is the day where we respond, I want us to be reminded of what it is that we're trying to accomplish. And some of you have seen this in a dessert night, uh, but I, I want you to watch this vision, and, and I want you to hear some stories of people in our church uh, who have been impacted by this church, and I want you to hear some of the history of our church and know the sacrifices that happened before so that we could be experiencing the blessings of God now. And so I want you to watch this video and then we'll jump into God's word together. Over 60 years ago, a handful of people felt the Lord leading them to start a church in our area and to pour themselves into helping transform people's lives in this community. They began our church with no building, little resources, only a heart to make a difference locally and globally. And through the years, there have been many changes. There have been name changes and location changes. Sacrifices were made, including years of rental space worship where our motto was, if you can find us, you can worship with us. But one thing that has not changed is the heart to engage our community and the world with the love of Jesus, helping people move from where they are to where God wants them to be. I think of people like Ken and Ava Staniford, who were part of the first church meeting back in 1957 and are still part of our church today. Like many of the men from our church, Ken helped build the facilities that were our church home for 40 years on Fisk Boulevard. Ken and Avis served in many capacities throughout the years, 
And when we moved to our current location, Ken volunteered countless hours mowing the lawn for almost 12 years. At the same time, Avis used to crochet these dishcloths for our first time guests. And when she began to lose her sight, her prayer was, God, heal my eyes so that I can continue to crochet these dishcloths for new people. God did heal her eyes and she was able to continue her ministry to new families for quite some time. Over the past several years, it's been exciting to see how God has used Ken and Avis and many ordinary people just like them to help others take steps towards Jesus. We've seen an explosion of attendance growth in our family ministries with well over 100 kids and students hearing about Jesus each week. Last year alone, we saw 244 first-time guests and needed additional seating in the chapel for those who attend our 9 a.m. service. Financially, God has continued using your generosity to deepen our impact here in our community. And this past Christmas, we were able to pay off the investment on our current facilities, allowing us to dream about what's next. Lastly, and most importantly, in the last three years, we have seen 227 people make first-time decisions to follow Jesus. These are just a few of the wins that we've seen as a church. And remember, each one of these involves the most important thing, a person moving from where they are to where God wants them to be. Hi, my name is Charity, and I've been here at Crossbridge for about four years. I played basketball like third through sixth grade here at church, and then one Sunday my parents just started talking to us and saying they really liked everyone here, they liked the programs and the events that Crossbridge offered, and I really liked everyone, the kids, the adults, it was just a nice atmosphere. Everyone here is super supportive, and they'll love you regardless of what you believe or what you look like or how old you are. It's just everyone kind of belongs here. So once I joined the choir, there's only one other like teen with me. So it's like me and a lot of older adults. And this one lady, Miss Becky, she is so amazing. Like every night she'll send me these devotions she reads and she's just such a light. And like that relationship has really helped me through things. And every Sunday I'm greeted with her smile and it's just always a positive part of the week. The youth group here has helped me by giving me a space to just grow closer to the other teenagers and to help disciple people and give an opportunity to be in God's work. I like to think that there's a person in my life who I'm trying to help in that way. Um, her name is Grace and I met her in theater this year. She doesn't believe in God, she's very against it, but lately I've just been slowly bringing up the idea of church to her, talking about it and what it means to me, and a couple weeks ago she started coming, and after the first night she texted me, she was like, wow, the community at Crossbridge, I just feel the love there, I wanna keep coming back. So she's been coming and she seems really curious about God, and she told me that she's been feeling a lot better lately, so I'm really hopeful about that and I'm happy that she's experiencing the love of God in her life because I know that all of the love she has been feeling is because of him and the peace she's feeling, it's all from him. I just see so many people dealing with so much and just obviously far from God and just really is sad to know that they feel like they have to hold all this pain in and they feel like they're going through life alone. Like if they just knew how much Jesus loved them, then their life would be so much better. 
Hi, my name is Al, and I've been here at Crossbridge for five years. Uh, I remember coming here the first time to watch a movie, and um, a friend of mine invited me, a co-worker, and as soon as I walked in the door, I felt the love that was outpouring from the uh, congregation, the people that were here that night. I met the pastor that night and talked with him for a little bit. He invited me back to church and I came back to church uh, that following Sunday. I've been to several churches before, but when I came here, you walk in the door, people don't look at you like you're a stranger. Uh, they walk up to you, they greet you. Uh, if there's anything that you need, uh, any particular needs, uh, religious-wise or any other thing that you need, they're willing to help you. They're just outpouring of love, it's just, it's just there. And there was no guilt filter, nobody made me feel guilty about anything I had done in the past because they didn't know. And I could have gone on with my life, but I knew what I had done. God knew what I had done. And I had come and asked him for forgiveness for all those things that I've done. So when I came to Crossbridge, I was, that burden was just lifted off of me when I, when I accepted Christ again. When I, and I came in and met with Pastor Brad and I became a member of this church. And then not only did I become a member of the church, I became a part of the church. And becoming a part of the church was serving on the church board. Um, I became a member of the safety team. I, with the transition team, I transitioned the cafe from classrooms to a cafe for Sunday morning services. I do the retransition of that back into classrooms on Sunday afternoon. And now I'm a member of the parking lot team. Whenever people come here on Sunday mornings, I'm one of the first faces they see when they come in, trying to greet them and make them feel welcome here at the church like they made me feel. I'm working on my son right now, who is gonna be one of my ones, and my daughter, to try to get them back into the church. Uh, you know, they grew up in the church, but they got away from it as they became older, just the same as I did. And uh, to have them come back to Christ, to understand that they have a life that's worth living. And through Christ Jesus, all the things that they're experiencing now is just small. God has more in store for them than they really understand. And if they could just accept him again and just receive the things that he has for them, they would be so much better off. To see my family come back to church would mean um, that I've done what I'm supposed to do as a Christian. I've led them to where they need to be or where they should be to fulfill a dream of my parents when I, when I came to, to know Christ and when I really reaccepted him again and started living the life of a Christian. That would mean just so much. My life would be fulfilled. Hi, my name is Sean. I've been at Crossbridge for uh, going on eight years. We, we didn't have a church home necessarily. Um, we were a military family and, and had moved from place to place and, and the church had not, unfortunately, not been part of wherever we were, if, if that makes sense. Uh, we, we would move from one place to the next and, and church was secondary. Tom, uh, two doors down from us, just invited us one day and we started coming to church and we found that, that the more we came to church, the more we spoke about church and, and it became much more interesting to us in, in its relevance to what we were going through. Uh, when, we, when we leave church, we don't necessarily leave church. It's a continuation of, of the rest of the day. We, we still discuss what we learned or what we spoke about, what Pastor Brad spoke about here in the, at church. I like that it keeps going. It's not just you know an hour and a half in the you know on a Sunday morning. It's 
it's it's pretty much for the rest of the week and you combine that with small group and I mean it's 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 all week long I trust them implicitly with any problems that I might have uh, and and we have gone through a, a few things where prayers were needed Marcia had began to notice that her her eye was feeling swollen or, or protruding uh, and as, as somebody who lived with her every day I didn't necessarily see it so we were trying to figure out whether or not it was one of those things where surgery was going to be the the solution would it be radiation you know something like that um, the, the different options that, that we had to consider where we went from that was really kind of to God and this, especially for me, this was this was something absolutely beyond my control. This was beyond Marcia's control, and and therefore we needed. And she was very good at this. I had a little more a uh, little more difficulty doing this, but she's like, you know what? He's got this. I, I I'm letting this go. Questions that we we have or experiences that we bring into the Connect group can be discussed by, by people who have, or by members of the Connect group that, that have either seen it before or, or have other experiences and, and they would lend their opinions as well. We had all known each other long enough by that point. It wasn't, you know, it, it wasn't like a, this is a, still, still a, a strange or a new relationship. This was a, this was a family coming together to, to deal with somebody who was dealing with something fairly traumatic um, but again that they, they were there uh, whatever we could have possibly asked for I think they would have provided uh, checking in to make sure I was doing okay they were checking on Marcia so um, just like family would do close family would do I would tell somebody who's on the fence about uh, joining a connect group to to go ahead and make the leap if if you're here if, if you're already in church it, it is only going to help you grow more and and just like we say God is here to take us where he wants us where are we we're here let him t let him take you to, to where he wants you to be and, and I think part of that is is the connect group they we, we come and we hear a message in church we discuss that message more fully in the in the connect group I love coming to church I love being able to talk about it and I anticipate the conversation that we'll have a couple of days later in the in the connect group While we have seen tremendous growth and continued impact, we're also aware that tens of thousands of people within 15 minutes of our church are not yet following Jesus. And we believe that God has placed us here for this very reason, and that we must engage our community and world in new and fresh ways. After much prayer and planning, the Crossbridge leaders are proposing a solution to help us continue doing what Jesus instructed us in Acts chapter one, verse eight. There Jesus tells his followers, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, our local community, throughout Judea, our county, and in Samaria, the places we might not even want to go and to the ends of the earth. To do this, we have some big goals for this year, 
and we will all need to make the same kinds of sacrifices made 60 years ago when our church was planted and 17 years ago when we moved to this location. We will need to commit to reaching those around us by giving of ourselves and giving of our resources. First, we'll need to make a relational investment as we each commit to building a friendship with one local person who has not yet encountered the life-changing love of Jesus. We call this your one. Ultimately, we should all have more than one person that we're doing this with, but we should all have at least one person that we're helping take steps towards Jesus. Second, we will each make a financial investment as we prepare our property for the next season of ministry here at Crossbridge. Our leadership has been dreaming of new and unique ways to position our facilities and give us new opportunities to build bridges with those in need in the community and worldwide. And here's what we've planned. We will construct the Barbara Murphy Student Center and Pavilion on the south side of our property. And this facility will allow us to reach more young people and their families and give us additional worship space on Sunday and other nights of the week. And the pavilion will provide us with much needed fellowship space for connect groups and ministry teams to meet throughout the week. Next to this new facility, we will build what we believe to be one of the best shaded elementary playgrounds in our community. Additionally, we will grade the adjoining field as an open use soccer field. And both of these will provide new ways to invite your one to Crossbridge and give our church new ways to connect with and meet people where they are and help them move to where God wants them to be. As we continue our efforts to share Jesus abroad, we will begin a partnership with Tenwick Hospital as we begin to sponsor one OBGYN doctor in Kenya for each of the next three years. We will also commit to $10,000 per year to Nazarene Compassionate Ministries to help provide clean water to communities that currently do not have access food for hungry children, and efforts to stop human trafficking. All of this work will cost just over $2 million to engage and complete. And although this may seem like a large amount, we believe that our God never calls us to something that he will not equip us to accomplish. Over the next three years, we will participate together in the Engage initiative to help us raise these funds and together create a culture where we are all inviting one person towards Jesus. As a church, we will come together on Sunday, May 2nd in order to commit to our relational and financial investments. This is a big step for each of us. And I'm asking that you begin praying now for God to show you how he will equip you to be a part of this. We can do this, but it will require something from each of us with a renewed focus for the lost and the resources to build and minister here locally and globally, we believe that we will see life change in many more people. So my question and my challenge for you is, will you help us as we dream of fulfilling Jesus's command to reach our community and our world with his love? Will you give of yourself and ask God to lead you to one person to share his love with? And will you give of your resources to help us create spaces to invite your one to. If you're willing to make these commitments, 
Think how 60 years from now, how many thousands more locally and globally will have moved from where they were to where God wants them to be. So in that video, uh, we talked about Ken and Avis, and um, I know Avis isn't able to be with us, uh, but Ken is here, and uh, Ken, I, I want you to know that our church loves you, uh, and we are so thankful for the sacrifices that you and Avis and many, many other people just like you made. I know you weren't the only people, and there are some of, some of those saints of the church are here with us even today, but... You guys, I, every, you just need to know this, Ken. Every time I run up these stairs, I actually uh, think about you because it was, it was Ken that built all of these stairs and, and put them in here. Um, and so, Ken, I, I want you to know your church loves you, uh, and we love Avis, and I, we are, we're so thankful for the difference that you have made. And, and I actually got some flowers for Avis um, and I know she's not here, but you get to be the hero now, Ken. Um, and uh, you're going to be able to bring these to her, and you're going to be able to let her know how much her church loves her. And uh, we, we just love you guys. And can we just celebrate uh, their faithfulness? We are a blessed church. And... Um, we need to know that there are others that have gone before us that have allowed us to have the blessings that we're having right now. Um, when, when you enjoy our church, when you enjoy the, the, just what happens here and the space that we have, uh, you need to know that there have been many people that have sacrificed so that we can experience these blessings that we experience right now. And uh, we, don't, we don't honor the past enough, uh, but I am so thankful uh, that you're able to be here with us today. And uh, please, please, please pass on to Avis um, how much we, we love both of you. Um, and there are, there are some giants in the faith that we're standing on their shoulders as we experience God's goodness here every single week. And so... Um, Listen, the reason that we are talking about engaging our calling, and if you have your Bibles, I'll just go ahead and invite you. You can turn to John chapter 6. Uh, John chapter 6, the Gospel of John. Um, and so there's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Uh, it's the fourth book of the New Testament. And um, if you can't find it, God put a table of contents in there for you at the front of your Bible that'll help you. If you're using version, uh, you can uh, tune there. The, the words will be on the screen as well. But uh, John chapter 6, we're going to look at verses 1 through 13. And it's a, it's a passage that you're probably familiar with. It's a passage that you've probably heard before. And even if you haven't, um, it, it's something that... Uh, is it's a very simple story that's recorded in multiple of the gospel books. But before we look at this story, I just want to say the reason that today is important as we talk about engaging our calling 
is because I don't think, as, as we watch that video, uh, some of you for the first time, some of you maybe for the second time, as we watch that video, as we hear the vision of what we're trying to do, I, I really can't imagine that there's any one of us that would just say, you know, I don't care about anything in that. You know, I, I think most of us, we hear something like that and we go, yes, people should engage one person. We, we should leave church and we should make a difference in the lives of people that, that, that aren't following Jesus and, and people should do that. I, I think we watch videos like that. We hear messages like we've heard over the last several weeks and and I think we say, yes, the church shouldn't just huddle up in the walls of the church. The church should leave these walls and we should go serve people and we should go make a difference. And the church should do that. The church should do more in the community and the church should engage the community in greater ways. And, and we're for that. And we look at hungry kids and, and think about people who don't have access to clean water and we think of the ugliness of human trafficking in the world and, and just the medical needs that are in places like Kenya that we just take for granted here and, and we go, the church should make a difference in those places and the church should do something about that. But I think there's a difference and it's, it's subtle but it's important. There's a difference between saying, yes, people should do that. Yes, we should be for that. Yes, the church should do that. And saying, yes, I will do that. Yes, I will engage with my calling. I will hear the word of the Lord that calls me to be a witness in my Jerusalem, in my Judea, in my Samaria, and around the world, and I will be a part of that, that I will engage my calling. So here's what I want us to do. I just, I want you to wrestle with that as we look at this passage of scripture. And I just want you to wrestle with the question, what will you do to be a part of what God is calling us corporately to be a part of? So in John chapter six, verses one through 13, we have this story, it says this, after this, Jesus crossed over to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, and also known as the Sea of Tiberias. A huge crowd kept following him wherever he went because they saw his miraculous signs as he healed the sick. And then Jesus climbed a hill and sat down with his disciples around him. And it was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. And Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he said, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. And Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. I mean, Philip's like, really, Jesus? Do you see this crowd? I mean, there were 5,000 men. Most scholars believe that it could have been as many as 20,000 people, including women and children, that were there. He's like, really? I mean, do you see the magnitude? There's no way we could have enough money to buy enough food for all these people. And then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? And tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered about 5,000. 
And then Jesus took the loaves and gave thanks to God and distributed them to the people. And afterward, he did the same with the fish, and they all ate as much as they wanted. After everyone was full, not just like had a bite, not just, well, that, you know, that'll get me by. After everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they picked up the pieces and filled 12 baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. I think that there is a couple of things that we can see in this is, is we talk about engaging our calling. There's some tests that were kind of given, and, and the response to those tests determined the magnitude of, of what was able to be accomplished. And I, I think that we're going to face these tests. I think we face these tests as individuals. I think we face these tests as a church. Whenever we have an opportunity to do something big for the kingdom, there are tests. And I want us to see these because there was first the test of faith. And, and we see the test of faith uh, when Jesus calls on Philip. Now, I don't know why Philip got picked on right there. I, you know, Jesus had a lot of people he could have called on. And you know, this is one of those moments where everybody's like, don't call on me, don't call on me. And he looks to Philip, he's like, hey, Philip, you know, what are we going to do about this? Where can we buy some bread to, to feed all of these people? And what's interesting is, you know, I, I don't know why Jesus called on Philip, but maybe it was because Philip was born and raised in that area. Maybe Jesus was just kind of like when you're traveling with somebody who's from an area and you say, hey, where's a good place to eat kind of a thing. Jesus is like, hey, Philip, you're from around here. Where can we possibly buy bread for all of these folks? And Jesus was giving him this faith test. And, and Philip's response is just basically, Lord, really? There is no way, even if I knew where the nearest, you know, Aldi or Publix or, you know, they're putting a Winn-Dixie in nearby. You know, I mean, even if I knew where a place where we could buy it, there's no way we have enough money to actually buy for all of the need that's there. There's not enough money. And Philip sees it through that lens. And Andrew is another disciple that is encountering a test as well because Andrew, what's interesting is every time we see him in the Gospels, Andrew is bringing somebody to Jesus. He's just constantly, he's one of these people that every time you see him in the Gospels, he's bringing somebody to Jesus. We know that in John chapter 1, he's the one who brings Peter to Jesus. And he says, hey, we found the Messiah. He's just constantly bringing people to Jesus. And here he does it again. He says, hey, listen, you know, there's this boy and, and here's this boy, he's got five loaves and two fish. But then he says, but what good can five loaves and two fish possibly make with a crowd this size? And so both of these disciples, Philip and Andrew, both kind of have this faith test. And, and, and Philip's response is, hey, there's not enough money. And Andrew's response is, hey, there's not enough food. Um, you know, but both of them are just seeing it in the, in the natural. They're looking at a little bit of resource. They're looking at a lot of need, and they're saying, there's just no way. There's just no way. And, and here's, here's the thing. If, if we want to engage our calling and, and do the kinds of things that God is calling us to do, we're going to have to, as a church and as individuals, begin to see things through the eyes of faith. The Bible says faith is believing in those things that we can't see. And we're going to have to grow in our faith 
if we're going to be able to trust that God can take a little bit and actually do everything that needs to be done. Because in the natural, all of us, we just go, that need, I mean, $2.25 million is, is pretty close to what we believe it's going to take to accomplish everything that we're trying to accomplish. And the reality is, if you're like me, you hear a number like that, and you just think, there's not enough money in Crossbridge Church for us to do that. There's not enough bread, Jesus. There's not enough fish. There's, there's not enough resources. And yet... We see in the rest of this story that Jesus was able to take a little bit and he was able to do something miraculous because there's this, this other test and it's the test of resources. And, and this was actually the test that the little boy encountered. Um, and this little boy uh, had these five barley loaves and two fish. So we know he was poor because they weren't wheat loaves. Um, and so most scholars would say the fact that he had barley loaves instead of wheat loaves indicated that he was a poor kid. So he didn't have a lot of resources. And he, he had these five loaves. He had these two fish. And, and we don't know exactly how this went down. But I imagine that Jesus sent the disciples out to go work the crowd and like, you know, kind of say, hey, what do we got out there, guys? You know, go, go do some things. And, and so we don't know how long that might have been, but maybe they were out there talking to people for hours. And every time I hear this particular story, every time I've heard a sermon on this, every time I've just thought about this story, I always think to myself, really, out of 5,000 men, potentially 20,000 people, there was nobody else who had a sack lunch with them? They, there wasn't another good wife that as the man was leaving for the day, she was like, honey, don't forget your lunch again. You know, I mean, there, there wasn't at least one other person or maybe hundreds and hundreds of other people that had a sack lunch with them that day. I, I have to believe that there were a lot of people in that crowd that were holding on to their sack lunch. And when the disciples came to them and said, hey, the master here is, is looking for some people that would be willing to give their lunch to share with this crowd. They were holding their little sack lunch and they looked around at the 20,000 people potentially that were all around them and they were like, that's all right, I'll just, I'll just hold on to my lunch. There's, there's no way this would make a difference anyway. And so I'll just keep it and I'll just make sure that I eat. But there was this one little boy who was like, well, I got these five loaves and I got these two fish. And we know probably a, a boy would have eaten maybe two to three loaves and, and one fish would have been a normal meal in this time, scholars say. And so possibly he had enough food for him and one other person, but certainly not for him and 20,000 other people. And yet this boy said, I'll share I'll give up my meal. You want to talk about sacrificial giving. This was everything he had to eat for the day. And he said, I'll give this up so that others can have a meal. And when he did that, you know, I am certain he didn't know how this was going to play out. I'm certain he had no idea what was going to happen. But what's really cool is that there isn't just this disciples test of faith and there isn't just this test of resources that the little boy faced, but there's a third character in this story and that third character is Jesus. And Jesus is the great multiplier. And Jesus can always take a little bit and make something amazing out of it. 
There's an old song some of you might know a little as much, When God is in it. Uh, And it's this idea that whenever we give a little bit to God, he's able to take that little and do some amazing things with it. And that's what he does here, that this little boy gives his sacrificial gift into the hands of Jesus, and Jesus takes this small gift and miraculously multiplies it to meet all of the needs. And I, I, I just have to help us understand that even though all of us look at our little sack lunch when we talk about doing these kinds of things and we think, yeah, there's just not enough people, there's not enough money, there's not enough resources at Crossbridge, we can't do this. I, I don't, it doesn't make sense, but I'm sure Ken would tell us, and I'm sure the people that planted this church 60 years ago would tell us, when they started with no money and no building and, and no resources, when they, they would have never imagined that there would be resources like this and a facility like this and this many people here. When they started, they were just like, God, we'll just give our little bit. And and we'll just be faithful with our little bit. But God has this miraculous power of taking our little bit and magnifying it into something amazing. He does it every single time. There's a a passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 where the Apostle Paul is writing to the Corinthians about a need that is in the Jerusalem church. And he's writing to the Corinthians and he's actually asking the Corinthians to do something similar to what we're doing today. He's saying, hey, there's a need over here. Will you give to meet that need? And so he's sharing some generosity principles uh, in this passage. And I think that some of these principles really play out what this boy does in the story. And so I just want to read a few of these verses. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, Paul says to the Corinthians and to us, Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. That there is this, there is this principle of the harvest that this little boy, I, I don't know, it would be interesting to find out what would have happened in this miracle if this little boy would have said, I have one barley loaf that I can give. It would just be interesting. I I don't know how that would have played out. I I don't know what would have happened if he would have said, I have one fish and one barley loaf I can give. Uh, But he gave a sacrificial gift, and because he gave a gift, that there was a huge harvest because of the kind of gift that he gave. And and I think the the principle here is, is the farmer who has these seeds in his hand says, "I I can either consume these or I can plant them in the ground in belief that there's going to be a larger harvest as I plant them in the ground. And, and I think because of some people who have taught, hey, give so you can get a whole bunch more, we, we kind of, we, we tense up when we hear things like this. But it's in Scripture. It's true. This little boy gave a sacrificial gift. And because he gave a sacrificial gift, there was a huge harvest. Now, here's, here's what we need to understand. The harvest that we're talking about is people. The harvest that we're talking about is a harvest of people. And I believe this, that when we give sacrificial gifts, even when they're small, because it doesn't matter what you give, what matters is it's sacrificial. And that's going to be different for all of us. Some of you, you have a very little bit, and you're going to give a very little bit, and it's going to be sacrificial. And Jesus is going to take that, and he's going to multiply that in some significant ways. 
There's others of us in this church that have more, and our sacrificial gift is going to have to be more in order for it to truly be sacrificial. But Jesus will take that and he'll multiply that. And the multiplication will be in souls. It will be in people. And I think about just the, the stories that we heard in this video that we watched. How can you quantify that? How can you put a dollar sign on souls and people and lives being changed? And when this little boy gave a small sack lunch and it fed 5,000 people, men and maybe 20,000 men, women, and children, think about how a gift that we give can be multiplied to, to actually reach thousands of people here in our community and around the world. In, in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7, he goes on and he says this, You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. And so if you're here and you're like, I don't want to give, please hear the word of the Lord. Don't give in response to pressure. That's the reason that all through this whole uh, several weeks that we've been talking about this, we just didn't pray. Pray and be obedient to what the Lord calls you to do. And if you're a guest with us, if you're watching online, uh, please don't feel any obligation to give. We're just thankful that you're here and, and you get to receive the blessings of those that are giving and being a part. But here's what I do know. I know that there is a lot of us that we hear the word of the Lord saying give, and we are more like the little girl in the story. And I've shared this story before, but it's worth retelling. The mom gives this little girl a dollar and a quarter before church and said, honey, I'm gonna let you decide which one to give to God. And after church was over, the mom asked the little girl, which did you decide to give to God? And she said, well, I was going to give the dollar, but then I heard the preacher say that God loves a cheerful, a cheerful giver, and I knew I'd be a lot more cheerful if I gave that quarter, and so I gave the quarter. Um, and I think there's a lot of us that are a lot like that little girl. We just think, you know, I'll be a whole lot more cheerful if I keep a lot for myself and I just give a little bit. But the reality is, is whenever we give, God always meets our needs, and he always then multiplies our gift to make a profound profound impact. In 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8, uh, this, this passage closes uh, here, and it just says, and God will generously provide all you need, and then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. So I think sometimes when we hear teaching that says, hey, if you give, you'll get more uh, we, we, we think, you know, we're thinking dollars and cents and we're thinking, hey, give a little bit here and you'll have a more. It's like a good 401k investment, right? No, that's not what that is. This is give and there will be a, a large harvest of souls that people will be impacted. People will be changed. That's the harvest that we're going to get back. And the other piece is, is God will meet our needs. And oftentimes, I'll say this, oftentimes when you live with open hands, and when you become a generous person and you say, God, I'm going to follow your ways and I'm going to give, then God does give more. But he doesn't give more so that you can hold on to it and buy nicer things for you. Whenever he finds somebody that lives like this, he says, now I have somebody that when I give more, they will be able to find more people to meet the needs and bless. And so what, what we find is when you hear people say you can't outgive God, you found somebody who's living like this and God continues to bless their life because the more he blesses them, the more they look for opportunities to be a blessing to other people. But the minute we start closing those hands 
And the minute we start saying, okay, now I'm going to like start stockpiling over here and I'm going to hang on to some of this and I'm going to keep that dollar and give that quarter, is the minute that God's blessings will stop because the only reason he's blessing us is so that we can be a blessing to others. And whenever we miss that, whenever you hear health, wealth, and prosperity, gospel people tell you, you know, give and then you'll get nicer things and you'll be more off and all these, that's always with the wrong intent. The intent is to reach people with Jesus' love. And the intent is so that when God does bless more, we can give more and we can have a greater impact as individuals and as a church. Maybe the best way to say it is this. I, I don't think this little boy in this story, I don't think when he gave his sack lunch, he knew that he was gonna get a meal that would fill his belly. And in the end, he would bring some baskets home of leftovers. Now the Bible doesn't tell us that he brought some baskets home with leftovers. But I can't imagine that Jesus didn't say to the disciples, hey, where's that little boy at? Hey, Andrew, bring that little boy over here. See these 12 baskets? Get some guys. Make sure they get back to his house. I, I can't imagine that at least one of those baskets of leftovers didn't go home with that boy. And you can't tell me that for the rest of his life, he wasn't looking for opportunities to help share his meal with people that were around him because he experienced the blessing and the joy of seeing what God could do when he gave a little and he multiplied it and made a huge difference in the lives of so many. And so we're going to pray together uh, and then we're going to take about five minutes of, of just some quiet music and, and Pastor Mark is, is going to play and um, as he plays... We're going to respond, and uh, if you have one of those pledge cards, um, I hope that you have already prayed about this, um, and this is one of those moments where uh, I hope that this, hasn't, this isn't like the first time you're hearing this and, and you feel like you need to give. No, if, if, if the Lord's not clearly telling you something to give, don't give. There's no pressure here. But for those of us who said, hey, we, we have been praying about this, we want to do this, or if you have intended to give, but you haven't had that conversation with your spouse, now's the time to have that conversation with your spouse as, as this music plays. Um, and uh, we're just going to have an opportunity to come and give these cards and, and place them in these baskets. And you need to know this, that 100% of the church board and the staff and the leadership of the church have gone before you. And we're not asking you as a church to do anything that we haven't done, that all of us have said we're all in on this, and we have committed to being a part of this, and we're committing to give sacrificially. And so uh, as this music plays, we're just going to have a time for you to pray, for you, for you to reflect, for you to ask the Lord, what, what can my part be? What's my sack lunch that I can give to make a difference in the lives of of thousands. And if you're online with us, I just want you to know that if you go to crossbridgenaz.org forward slash engage, um, you actually can fill out an online pledge card as well. And we invite you to do that and be a part of this even from wherever you're at. And so as this music plays, I invite you to come and respond. Love that line in the song. You don't owe me anything. God has blessed us so many ways. He's been so good to us. His grace pursues us. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for what you have done for us. Lord, you don't owe us anything. And yet you have poured out 
your blessings in our life. Help us as we go from here to be like that little boy who was willing to give a sack lunch so that you could multiply it and meet the needs of thousands. Lord, thank you that you can use the little we give and you can multiply it and you can meet the needs of thousands here in our community and around the world. Lord, we love you. We're grateful for what you've done for us. Help us to be a people that will make a difference in the lives of others. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.